0: Welcome to
1: Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome one and all to this evening worship service. We're delighted to welcome everybody into our sanctuary annex, the sanctuary south here at GPC, but it's a great, great night for us to gather together and to worship God. We know what Psalm 118 24 says, you know that this is, you can say it with me, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let me just uh, say a few announcements for you before we um, begin our worship service, and that is, of course, a word of welcome to everybody who's worshiping here in our Activity Center Sanctuary, but also a word of welcome to everybody who's worshiping with us online tonight. We're so delighted. That if you're watching this on Facebook or on the church website, that you're joining in on this evening worship service tonight. So you can, if you're watching at home, download the bulletin on the church website. You'll see a PDF there. You'll see a resource tab where you can click on and find a PDF of the bulletin. And you can follow along with our musicians as they lead us in, in, in worship tonight. And you can also follow along with the uh, scripture and the sermon and the prayers. So please do uh, download the bulletin from home and uh, watch the service with us and rejoice and worship with us this evening. A few announcements uh, again before we get started. And that is, uh, of course, to sign the online friendship pad. If you're worshiping with us at home, sign that pad and let us know that you're worshiping with us. There's a place on the website Again, where you can click and you can sign the online friendship pad. It's been so great to see where people are, are worshiping from. We've had people from, of course, the greater Memphis area, but even further afield sign that pad, worshiping with us uh, from coast to coast. So we're delighted for that. Please do sign the online friendship pad. Save the date for Nakomi. That is coming up uh, April 30th, May 1st and 2nd, two weeks earlier than usual, but a really special time for our church. It's our church family camp, our churchwide retreat, on that spring weekend, and I'm so looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be there, of course. We always enjoy Nakomi. We didn't get to go last year because of the pandemic, but we're going this year, and it's for you and your family, kids of all ages. And it's going to be a great time. So please do uh, uh, take the survey that is coming out. I think it went out through various church-wide email platforms. Take the survey. The Congregational Life Committee is looking for some feedback. They need to know a few things in order to, to plan for NACOMI. So please do take the survey, submit the survey, send it back in, and that will help us in our planning. But save that date for NACOMI in the spring. This last week has been different in a number of ways here at GPC. Uh, first and foremost, with the uh, the snow that hit us and the ice that hit us uh, late last Sunday, we actually canceled this service last Sunday night. But then throughout the week, of course, we had a uh, wonderful winter wonderland all around us, which meant, of course, our Ash Wednesday service that we always look forward to every year. We had to cancel that. But... Pastor Susie did a video devotional, a video homily and a worship service for that, uh, including the imposition of the ashes, and that's all been archived on the church, uh, I know on Facebook. So you can go to Facebook, to the church page, watch that Ash Wednesday service and hear the devotional there, and then uh, we will prepare ourselves for this season of Lent, starting with that service, and then uh, we also have a devotional book that we were going to hand out at the service and hand out last Wednesday, but there is a devotional book. It's also on the church website. You can see a PDF of that, and there are daily devotionals that have been written by Susie, and they're on there morning and evening devotionals for us as we journey together through the season of Lent. So I want to encourage you to go to the church website to see the service and then also to download those materials for Lent as we move into this most important season of the church year. Thank you for all those who participated in and organized Guess Who's Zooming to Dinner last night. A good group got together on Zoom and ate their meal together. Again, a uh, an alteration on one of our favorite church programs every February, and uh, I think those who participated had a wonderful time, so thank you to the organizers and the participants of that. And now, let me say a little bit about uh, the other event that happened here at GPC this week. If you haven't heard a little bit, let me update you on all of that for people worshiping here and online, let's talk about the flood. Um, now, there was a flood way back in history, and uh, Kirsten's going to preach on that tonight. Thank you, Kirsten. Um, the, I promise you, she'll say the bulletin and the scripture were chosen a long time before before last Friday. I can assure you of that. Um, so, Kirsten, thank you for leading our worship service tonight. Kirsten, of course, is our seminary intern, Kirsten King and uh, she's done a great job on our church staff these last several four or five months and a few more months to go. But Kirsten, thank you for leading us in worship tonight, talking about that older historical flood. The uh, more recent flood happened on Friday evening when a sprinkler system pipe burst in the narthex, and it went from the narthex into the sanctuary and covered the sanctuary with water and it covered the hallway and the parlor and part of the bride's room and then also with gravity taking its full effect it then went down down into the preschool down into that entire area and so um, we've had a significant loss here due to all of that water damage so we are um, disappointed by that. We're sad about that. It's it's pretty awe-inspiring and uh, sad to kind of walk into the sanctuary and the hallways and see all of that. However, when I think about this church and I think about what makes this church an incredible body of Christ, and I know you're the same way, I, I don't think of the buildings first. When I think about the greatness of this congregation I don't think about the buildings. I always think about the people. I think about the people of this congregation and who we've been for 180 plus years and and what it means for us to be a congregation of disciples of Jesus Christ and not a building. That's our congregation. And so I thought about it this morning. I was driving in and I was thinking about this. We're going to lay to rest Andrew Arthur, Tom Cates, And Betty Green all within a few weeks of each other when you talk about pillars of this congregation for the last 40 and longer years people like those three people are what make us the church that we are incredible I also thought about some other people I thought about Dick Noakes he wasn't here his entire adult life like those other folks but he was an incredibly fine gentleman one of the nicest guys you'll ever know um, Pete Hawkinson also died recently. He he was a saint, and he was homebound and home, you know, bedridden. But he loved this congregation. And he prayed for this congregation. So did Nancy Hawkinson. Just a phenomenal couple. I thought about Joe Donahoe, who died a year ago. Next month, it's the people of this congregation who have always made it an amazing body of Christ. And the Spirit of Jesus Christ is in the temple of the congregation, as Ephesians says. It's not, not, not the buildings and not the physical structure. So that's what I think of when I think about the greatness of this congregation and the sacred spaces that we occupy. Um, I think of that sanctuary as being a sacred space, but a space is sacred not because of the architecture or the design. Any space where God is present, Any space where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are present, that is what makes a space sacred. So is this a sanctuary? Is this a place of worship? Absolutely it is, because if two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ, then Christ is there, and Christ's presence is what makes a place sacred and holy. And so we welcome the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into this space, likely for the next several months, And this will be our place of worship, and we will do so with joy and with gladness and with reckless, graceful abandon as we praise the God who made us. And so what's going to happen, some of you have already seen it. You're welcome to come into the sanctuary and look. What's going to happen over the next several weeks is that we're going to dry out they 're going to rip up the carpets and they're going to rip up the sheetrock and take it on the insulation and These huge dehumidifiers are going to suck every ounce of water out of moisture out of this building that you can possibly imagine and then we've got a crew they've already been here they've they've inspected the pews they've laid things out and they 've already begun a plan of of renovation and restoration, so that will take several months. we know that, and meanwhile we'll be flexible we'll adapt. And uh, by God's grace and by God's goodness, we will always continue to worship and be a great body of Christ together. And so that's where we are with the, with the flood, and that's where we're going. And I'm so grateful for, and, and there's just too many people to name, but I'm so grateful for the people who came in here uh, uh, Friday night. And this morning I said they helped us move the chickens and the cows to higher ground. And that meant they picked up a lot of furniture they picked up um, all these things that were sitting in water, and they and they, literally they saved them. They got them out of the water. If they'd been sitting in the water for 24 hours or more, it would have ruined all of them. So they got them up out of the water, got them into the Warren Hall. Um, uh, an incredible crew was here yesterday cataloging and salvaging and going through everything and, and putting everything into the right place so that we could start the process to rebuild. So too many people to name and then they just—they really are just the tip of the iceberg because I'm looking at people in here who texted me, who called, who said, how can I help? What can I do? What do you need? So, so the, just the whole congregation is responding with goodness and love and grace. And so I hope you hear just the, the gratitude for all of that. And again, that's what makes us the type of church we are, people who love God and love our neighbors and want to serve Christ in so many ways. So thank you for everybody, for all your, your prayers and your love. And then we're looking forward to uh, the next chapter in this church's life. And we've already talked about the great celebration we're going to have when COVID's over. And now you can just add another reason to celebrate because we'll, we'll be back in the sanctuary and back in our spaces. So um, pray for the church. Pray for the preschool. All their teachers were up here today, this afternoon, going through lots of adaptations. So keep your prayers going and let's keep worship going. And we'll do that tonight. And we'll do that with gratitude and with gladness. And you can say it again with me as we get ready to worship Psalm 118, 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come before you now as we begin this time of worship. And Lord, we know that people have been worshiping on this corner of God's green earth since 1832. And Lord, for this tiny moment of our lives... We add to that chorus, and on this evening, we add our voices, and we add our preaching, and we add our prayers, and we add all that we do tonight, just one more example of how much we want to worship you and how much we want to glorify you for being the amazing and the great God that you are. We pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be in all of us tonight as we worship, and we pray that you would indeed be honored by all that we do here in this beautiful sanctuary where you are present. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.
2: We invite you to stand with us as we sing about God's goodness and King of my heart.
0: hearts we acknowledge your authority God let everything we think everything we do everything we say be centered around you and God we also want to hear what you have to say because what you have to say is the most important thing so God speak to us we are open be receptive of you. We want to hear you, God. So speak to us. I'm
2: finding myself
0: Well, good evening, church. Um, as Pastor Will said, I'm Kirsten King. I have been a seminary intern here for the last five months, um, being mentored by Pastor Susie, and um, this is my first opportunity to participate in the evening worship service, so I thank you for joining and inviting me here. Um before we, we go to our scripture lesson, I just wanted to uh, make one comment that in the bulletin, it might reference the wrong scripture. So I wouldn't want you to read <laughs> the text of 1 Peter when I'm reading the text of Genesis uh, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. So if you've got uh, a tablet or a phone nearby and you want to just take a minute to pull up Genesis 9, 8, 17. Um, that will be our text that we'll we'll be going through tonight. So, as we uh, prepare to hear God's word, let us pray. Source of all true wisdom, calm the troubled waters of our hearts and still all other voices but your own, that we may hear and obey what you tell us in your word through the power of the Spirit. Amen. Listen now for these words from the Hebrew Scriptures. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it. And remember, the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth, God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on earth. Amen. Covenant. Now, that's not a particularly unfamiliar word for us. For example, we talk about covenants of marriage or sometimes neighborhood covenants. But to us, a covenant is usually thought of as a formal agreement or a contract. It's usually understood as an agreement between two or more to either do something or not do something. And the structure of that covenant is usually some kind of conditional arrangement, typically with an if-then kind of structure. If you do something, then some other outcome will occur. Or if you don't do something, uh, some outcome will result. So we'll be looking tonight at connecting with God's commitment and covenant as we've heard it in scripture. We'll be looking at this covenant particularly in light of the human response, both the good and the bad of human actions. So we begin appropriately here in Genesis at the beginning with the very first covenant described in the Bible. The covenant made to reestablish order with the world. But before we delve into the amazing nature of the covenant in this language we just heard, we need to take just a bit of a step back to remind ourselves of how we got to where this text picks up. The story in the Hebrew writings in Genesis 1 beautifully and poetically describe God's work of creation. A self-giving God is described, one who creates with mere spoken words. God shapes the cosmos. We, We repeatedly hear this familiar refrain, and God said, let there be light. And it was so. God shapes the cosmos by separating light from dark, sky from water, seas from earth. And then God fills these environments with the stars, sun, and moon, the sea creatures and birds, the land animals, and finally, humankind. From that watery chaos of Genesis 1, where the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters, God orders creation and sees that it's good and sees that it's very good. And God establishes a relationship for all of that creation. God gives humans a special servant role to care for this order in the same way that God wills it to be cared for. Humans are given responsibility for creation's sustained well being. But humans falter in that task. They begin to bring down God's created order. God sees into the hearts of humans in Genesis 6 that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Human actions and hearts are inclined away from God's holy order. And further in Genesis 6, we see God is grieved. We read in the translations often that God is sorry and God regrets creating humanity. But these words seem to fall a bit short. God is more than sorry, God is anguished. This is pain. God's loving creation has turned away from God's will for thriving. In anguish, God vows to blot out from the earth everything created, plants, animals, humans, to wash away and cleanse the evil through a great flood. This was going to be global destruction. God painfully set out on a path with the world, to seek justice for the evils that were present in the world and in the hearts and actions of humans, God despaired over humanity and decided to eradicate creation. And yet, there arose a hope. God calls out one man, the righteous Noah, A righteous man, blameless in his generation, who we read, walked with God. A phrase meant to show just how close Noah's alignment was with God's will. And God determines that while there will be a flood to bring an end to creation, Noah and his family and pairings of the creatures of the air and land will be spared. God directs the construction of a massive ark He tells Noah to build it, to protect Noah and his family and these pairs of living things. And Noah does everything that God commands to prepare for this. He builds the ark, he brings family and creation inside, and God protectively shuts them in from the action about to occur. The waters swell and rise until the time is complete and the devastation has occurred. And God causes the waters to recede and once again exposes the dry earth. The flood subsides. And we read that God remembers Noah and all of the wild and domestic animals in the ark. Now this is not remembering as if God had forgotten them, but remembering in the sense of making provision for. We often use a phrase that We've remembered someone in a will. We've provided for someone or for someone's future. We've remembered them. Creation will be remembered out of God's life-giving concern. God provides for all creation. And God does so entirely at God's own initiative. Noah and his wife, his sons and their wives, and every living thing emerges from the ark after the flood And it's God who establishes a covenant, an agreement, an everlasting promise with creation. In this epic defining moment, pivotal in Genesis, God reestablishes the sacred relationship with all creatures to preserve them from extinction. But notice, this is not a typical contract or covenant with humans and creatures agreeing to the if-then relationship, Noah never speaks. No one but God speaks. There is no dialogue. There is no negotiation of the terms and conditions. There is only a unilateral covenant, one-sided, unconditional, from God's initiative. No strings attached. God communicates what God intends to do or not do. Hear these words again. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Now this doesn't mean that there will not be consequences for human behavior or that there will not be judgment. But there will be a different way for the divine relationship with creation. God makes this covenant knowing full well that humanity will not be able to keep up the arrangement. The flood does not eliminate evil or incline hearts differently. It's not based on reciprocating works or merits of humans or creatures. God is establishing everlasting care for the health and well-being of creation. The covenant is based on God's grace and fidelity. This is a covenant not just with humans and gods either, but with every animal of the earth for all future generations. From God's steadfast love and mercy, God will remember and provide for, intervene for creation. Creation will be remembered out of God's life-giving concern. And God states an irreversible change in God's own intentions. As a seminary intern, I often find myself in theological discussions with Pastor Susie here at GPC, and she recently challenged me to identify one word that I felt shaped my understanding of the holy, of my evolving, understanding nature of God. And Pastor Susie has a way of asking questions and engaging you in dialogue that tends to broaden your perspectives well beyond my classroom learning. <laughs> she makes you ponder ways, uh, your ways of knowing and challenges your thinking. Now, this question she was asking was f- for truly a personal response. It was not one of church doctrine or historical tradition that I was expected to know. Um, so after several weeks of reflection my word finally came to me. Transformation. My understanding of the holy, my theology is shaped by the word transformation. The living, eternal creator with whom we move and have our being is all about transformation. In this text, God's own intentions transform while in relationship with Noah and the animals. And the plants. God transforms an anguished conviction headed directly toward creation's destruction into a life giving covenant. God transforms. God is a changed and changing God. God will be with creation and for creation. God's nature is to create, not destroy. And will evolve and reveal and transform to show it. As a sign of this transformation, this covenant of new beginning, God offers a sign, a bow in the clouds, an everlasting covenant between God and the earth. The bow, the bow, which in all but one other place in the Bible is a reference to a weapon the bow and arrow. The bow and arrow, which is used by soldiers in other stories as an instrument of death, is transformed. God takes this bow with its, with its arched form and removes the strings that, that create the tension that pull back and aim the arrow. The strings are gone, and God then hangs up the bow with the arch that would have directed the arrow toward us for destruction, now pointing away from the earth. God hangs the bow with no strings attached. The creator who brings life sets into the clouds a stringless bow as a sign of peace to remind God of the life-assuring covenant. When the bow appears, God sees it, and remembers, never again. Friends, in a world like ours where contracts and agreements and legal documents are outlined in detail with minutia of terms and conditions and signed in triplicate with clauses and repercussions, how does this covenant seem possible? When do we experience relationships where the covenants do not prescribe repercussions for failure to follow along? When when does one party offer provisions without a single word of dialogue or engagement to describe the obligation of the other? When is such grace and steadfast love offered without reciprocating expectations? Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. In this text, we see there is a God who seeks to engage us to fulfill the vision for creation to prosper. All creation, humans, creatures, plants, animals, water, air. This God seeks a world in which all things that are are held together, not cut off, not separated. This is the promise we receive in this covenant at the beginning. So how do we live into this promise, one in which we're we're shown the potential for creation? Will we seek patiently, humbly, and persistently to understand God's ways and follow God's paths? Will we seek to love God and love all others as God has loved us? Or will we ignore the very goodness of God's creation and provoke a flood of our own doing? Lent offers us a season to reflect on God's promissory relationship with with us and the world. Let us consider our violence and neglect for each other and our environment Let us consider the divine power of creation and justice that willingly set limits on God's own actions. God surrenders not just for a Lenten season, but for all time, the divine right to destroy. As we move through the season of Lent, let us consider the surrendering sacrifice to come, God's own Son, Jesus the Christ. Friends, be reassured, we are recipients of a covenantal commitment of mercy and grace. Accept it. Live it. Share it. Amen. Let us pray. We praise you, O God, in the sanctuary and under the stars for your greatness, and for your goodness. With exuberant hymns and quiet prayers, with helping hands and dancing feet, with all our being and with all creation, we praise you, O God. Amen.
2: I invite you all to rise with us as we sing this next song. Um, I believe it'll be familiar to you all. It is great as thy faithfulness. And I encourage you to acknowledge the faithfulness that God has towards us as he was faithful to Noah. And he is continuously faithful to us day in and day out. So please sing this with us.
0: As we trust in God who provides for all our needs, let us joyfully share our abundance with others. For those worshiping online, we encourage you to go to the Giving tab on the GPC website. And for those of you here with us, you may find the offering plates uh, near the back of the church as you exit. Let us join together as we dedicate our offering and lift our prayers of intercession. Holy God, thank you for giving us joy and generosity and genuine love for those who are in need. Pour out your Spirit upon our gifts and upon our lives that together we may bring healing and hope to the world. Loving God, you never leave us alone nor fail to watch out for our well-being, restoring us and providing for us because you are faithful We make our petitions known to you. We pray for the church in the world and its leaders. May we continue to be living witnesses for you. We pray for the global community. Enable us to serve those in need and work for peace, justice, and equity. We pray for our nation. Bring your healing peace that unifies hearts. We pray for all those who are oppressed and abused. Help us to be advocates for the powerless, that we might enact godly justice. We pray for those who are ill and suffer, especially from the rampage of this pandemic and for the aftermath of the snow and ice storms. Make us agents of your restoration and healing. Help us comfort those who grieve the loss of loved ones and friends. We pray for all caregivers. Strengthen them in body and soul. We pray for your creation. Make us good stewards so that many generations will know the goodness of your gifts. We pray for those who are anxious for the future. May we be people of compassion and love. We pray for this community of faith guide us to continue to proclaim the good news to all and empower the work of our ministry. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us unite our voices as we pray as you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
3: If you'll stand and sing with us. Um, This next song we're going to sing is called Your Mercy. It's a reflection on how God is so generous. The bridge says this, your loving kindness, it leads me to repentance. And I get that so backwards so many times. It's saying that his mercy should be what motivates us to change. And so often for me, it's uh, like shame. I'm a terrible person. I need to be better. Or, I don't know, pride. Like, oh, I want to be better than other people, or, you know. What this song is talking about is that it's God's mercy that brings us to change. And the order there is important, too. It's His mercy that changes us. Not us changing brings His mercy. Not us working real hard will bring His grace. It's the other way around. So let's reflect on that as we (laughs) sing.
2: i so-
0: Consider God's covenant faithfulness of steadfast love and mercy, shining in the bow in the clouds, no strings attached. Live each day accepting and sharing the good news of this covenant promise. And may the God of covenant faithfulness enfold you, the beloved Son encourage you, and the Holy Spirit infuse you with blessing, this day and forever. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.